What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. All right. Welcome to the Hard Luck Show. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's Big Lux. And if you like the Hard Luck Show, remember, hit that like and then hit that subscribe. Yeah. Sitting across from me is my co-host. It is Chumahan Bowen, American Indian, Southern Californian, elegant barbarian, and lawyer man. Here with you guys once again. Yeah. Straight looking like Steve Perry today over here. Yeah, Fuck I didn't. No like, braids, man. No Shit's braids. out. Let's Shit's go. Out, oh, Sherry. Oh, Sherry. All right. We got Salmon and we've got Big Pick Mike in the house handling visuals audios everything and old sleepyhead blue eyes is not here he's djing and at we like, are uh, his paying the price for it <laughs> God damn it. Huh? he's djing at yeah, his kids, kids bar mitzvah or something right. yeah, i don't yeah, know what yeah, he's doing yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that i want to welcome everybody i want to welcome everybody to the show and we have a special guest today you know our guest um wrote a book i gotta be honest with you guys i've gotten a glance um chumahan was able to jump on this yeah really 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 uh interesting stuff um uh and we are going to bring him on the show we're going to talk about this we're going to talk about a lot robert welcome to the show yeah hey. well, let me, can i see that book real quick Yes. And let's give him the the the, the appropriate platitudes yeah, yeah, and yeah, plugs, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Do that, please. Divide <laughs> and conquer race, mm -hmm. gangs, identity, and conflict, right? Uh, by Robert D. How do you pronounce that? We? Uh, the proper Prussian uh, pronunciation is Vida. Vida? The, the W is pronounced as a V, yeah. Man, I see a W and an E and a D. I say weed, but okay, Vida. I got <laughs> Vida. you. That's Vida. Cool, All right, Robert Vida. And uh, on the cover's dope, right? It's an awesome street art or whatever. Uh, it looks like a Chicano and a brother shaking hands, right? Yeah, Soul yeah, brother number right, one. Right, yeah. So Hold that up to the camera. Yeah. Let them see that. L look at this right here. Beautiful. Yeah. Great cover. Yeah. Excellent cover, yeah. right? Yeah, excellent cover. Looks Big Lux approved. Yep. Right? Uh, one, as soon as I walked in, first thing that grabbed me. And you know what? That would grab me in a bookstore even if I was completely separated from this and I just saw that walking by. Right. Um, especially the title name, you know, yeah. because I, 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 uh, I got a little bit of identification with that, you know, yeah. I've been some places where they're winning if they keep us separated and divided. For you know? sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. So, so, well, I think the first question, I gotta have, you know what, I'm dealing with a couple of professors here. You know? That's true. I, I really, I am, and I, and I, and I know when I'm a little bit like I want to get the story, and I gotta, Chumahan, you're gonna drive on this because you know you're just such a great reader, literary fucking, you know. And I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you kind of handle it with our, uh, with your, this among scholars. Among, I got questions, but I'm gonna hold. I, you know, I want to peel this back, and you only you can do that. 
the way we need to. All right, I appreciate that, Big Lux. Thank you very much. And so, <clears throat> formerly educated gents. Yes, yes. right. Um, so first, what was what drove you to write this book? How how did this book come into existence? Um, so basically, uh, when you're in grad school, right, to get a PhD, you have to do what's called a dissertation. You got to write like do some kind of research that nobody ever did before. So um, I'm in a sociology program. My PhD is from NYU. And I'm over there thinking like, well, what can I write about that nobody wrote about before? And especially at that time, there had really not been too much written about black and brown relations, you know, Latinos and African-Americans. Um, and certainly nothing about the street, you know. Um, and I grew up uh, actually right around the corner from where we are right now uh, here on the west side. Um, and when I was growing up, like in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, racial beef was a big issue out here. You know, there were a lot of different neighborhoods on right. black and brown that were going at it, like in the late eighties and early nineties. Right. Um, and you know, people were getting killed behind that. Um, and in 96, when I was like a senior in high school, a friend of mine, uh, got killed because of one of these beefs, a beef between 18 and, and black beef stones rolling twenties, like the bloods and 18 have beef out here on the West side still to this day. Um, so like that was something that kind of stuck with me as a kid. Um, you know, when you're growing up, like a lot of people are getting killed. So it's we but didn't really think it? too much of it. But I, when I got older and I started doing all this reading, I started realizing like, damn, why? Why do we even have beef in the first place? You know? What did it do to you as a kid to have somebody, you know, or something like that die in an unnecessary way, but not fully understand all the parameters? How does that impact a child? Yeah. You know, we. Uh, we were so desensitized to it at that time that like we really didn't think anything of it we'd be going to funerals like two three times a month or something like it was crazy back then so like it just seemed natural to us that people were getting killed and that you know we were getting shot at and like every i mean who grew up going to uh, house parties in the late 80s and early 90s you know hp and you know wherever like every party we went to there was a fucking shooting that ended in the party you know so it was just you know, like, I think collectively we had just like this collective trauma where we weren't even, you know, recognizing like our own humanity that mm. people were dying around us, you yeah. know, and what that meant, you know. Do you, um, and so when so first, though, you so you talked about the Ph.D. in the dissertation, right? In what field, what area is this Ph.D. or dissertation in which you're studying? Yeah. So my Ph.D. is in sociology. Sociology is kind of like a wider field. And then there's kind of subfields within it that, you know, that, that affect this book, you know, race Sociology and ethnic studies. Sociology is a wider field or oh, a whiter field? Both. <laughs> <laughs> right. These hobbies, yeah. But so, um, um, there's so, like so, criminology, yeah. ethnic studies, you know, all these different kind of subfields that, you know. And there's other fields that like I cite that I talk about, you know, like stuff from linguistics. Sure. Stuff from anthropology, you know, How whatever. did you get pulled in that direction in your higher education? Did you? I mean, did you already know you were going to college? I mean, um, how did you get there? You know, I, I always did well in school, in high school, um, but I'd always, like, ditch classes and, you know, all that kind of thing. So, like, I think my high school GPA was a 3.0, mm -hmm. but I did real well on the SATs, and back then you could get into college on that. Yeah. So I did, and I did well enough in college, you know, like I... Uh, I, I fucked off my first year and then like I did good after that, you know, as one does. And my plan was I'm going to go be a lawyer and get all the homies out of out of jail. You know, all right. okay. <laughs> that was my original. Yeah, plan, right? break them out. But um, at the time, uh, like I was still like had my feet on both sides of the tracks and, 
you know, I kind of felt like, oh, you know, maybe eventually like I'm going to end up catching a felony. So, so I was like, if I catch a felony, I go to law school, then I'm fucked, you know? So I thought, you know, I'm going to go and do this PhD program and go like part of it is they give you money to live off of. Not very much, but like enough to pay the rent. Sure. So go and live in New York for free for five, six years. Cool. You know? So you went and studied in New York? Yeah. So I, so my PhD is from NYU. So I was living in New York for about six years. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's, like it. Yeah. Like it. Like it. That's, we have a good friend that teaches over at NYU, right? That's right. Pete, Peter. Oh, no. Yeah, he's at Columbia. Yeah, but he's out of New York a lot, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, Peter yeah. Conti, great, brilliant author himself. Okay. Obviously okay. a genius yeah, but, but, creator. But, yeah, okay. NYU, that's fantastic, bro. I love it. Yeah, and so what was it like going to NYU? miles away. Being out of California, oh, I mean, walking yeah. everywhere and stuff. <laughs> year, was that crazy? What year is this? If you don't uh, mind when did I go there? In 03, I think. Wow. Oh, three? Yeah. Wow, dude. Yeah. So he's New York, over there. New York's like a different planet. Right. I, I feel more at home in Mexico than I do in New York. Like, you know, right. What's coming the, from Los Angeles, you know? Yeah, coming from Los Angeles, what are some so, things that stood out to you going to New York? It's just, you know, New York is, you there's just so us. many fucking people. It's like a grind, you know, like all day long, you're on the, you're on the train, you're, you know, mashing everywhere. Like, even if you have a car, you just catch up tickets and like there's nowhere to park and it's <laughs> everything's a mission in New York. You know, you get on the train at the end of your day, you're like fucking nuts to butts, face to face. Like everybody right. look at their face and <laughs> everybody's face says the same thing. Fuck my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you don't like, see very much. And that was back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Homeless dudes like... grabbing your plate of rice and running <laughs> off the subway. Those <laughs> chicken wings on yeah. the subway. <laughs> yeah, right. That's as big as your Or aunt. maybe not running off. <laughs> All right. Um, so you're yeah. over there. You And so, but sociology, but you thought what? You wanted to study I wanted people? to study something that like had to do with like how I grew up, you know, like something about crime and just like the urban existence and shit, you know? And, um, and cause sociology, the advice I got from my undergrad was do sociology cause it's like a big field. And then that way you can apply for different jobs. You could apply for sociology, criminology, ethnic studies, whatever. And it was good. And it was good advice cause I ended up getting a job. I'm a associate professor at Cal State LA wow. right here on the East side. So, um, I'm lucky. I mean, part of the reason I got my job is cause I had that sociology degree from that school you know that's like so. usually a pretty good gig academic professor gig yeah to, right do you ever go on rare. sabbatical and to get a and to get a job like where you grew up like right. most people get a job in but fuck Egypt in the middle right. of Idaho or right. who knows where the fuck. Right. You know? sure. It's like the army. You don't choose Did where you, get you go. you one of those corduroy jackets with the patches Man, on the they elbow? still owe me that. I think uh, I was he's got to get one. Comes <laughs> with the job. <laughs> and a pipe. Yeah, and a pipe. Right. <laughs> nice Hemingway. Right. You don't have to comb your hair anymore when you yeah, become a professor. Yeah, 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 That's yeah, all out shame. the window. Right. right. That's it. I'm losing it, so that'll be a moot yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. I was out there. I lived in New York. I went out to New York. I had to get away from some real heat out here. I went all the way out of New York. I was uh, 1920. This is an 80, like 88, 89. <laughs> and man, I lived in the city, worked in the city, and I didn't li work far from where I lived. I was I lived in Midtown. I worked in Midtown, and I lived in like Kipps Bay, Murray Hill, which is you know, and then Alphabet City. But I, I, I didn't spend too much time on the subways. But everything else, dude, and those rush hours at the end of the day when the streets are filled <laughs> with people walking home from work, yeah, 
Dude, man, it's everybody's pissed. Like, yeah, fuck, pissed. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on. You can feel it, dude. You can feel it, and that's the part tension, of fucking. You, know? you can feel it's part of what makes that city really loud and thick. You know. Yeah. But um, so different. So when you were telling me coming from here and just going straight out there to school, like, but it, it, at the same time, uh, I found it exciting. I liked the change. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a lot of movies about New York. There was a lot of things that I knew yeah, I wanted to go out there and see. Okay, what's so what's a great guy? So let's go. Let's keep on going. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so okay. So all right. So you're like, fuck it. I'm gonna get my PhD. Right. They're gonna start calling me Doctor Vida or whatever the fuck. Right? <laughs> right. And you you start. But how did you? I mean, when I was reading through the chapters of this, right? So this you're writing this in New York. Uh no, well, you know, you have to write like a proposal and you have to like read a whole bunch of books and like so like you write something when you're there. Yeah. But then I like the all the research, all the interviews and all that everything is here, you know. Okay. So so basically I came back here in 09 something like that. Oh yeah. Um and then like it takes a year or two whatever to get permission and to jump through all these hoops and then you actually start interviewing people. Yo, check this out, man. So, like, essentially, right, you, you're getting your PhD, so you got to propose to a bunch of eggheads. Right? <laughs> this is what I'm going to do, right? The dissertation? Yeah, like all these other professors who made it past the horns of torture to be not have to brush their hair and smoke a pipe. Yeah. He's got to be like, this is, I'm sirs. Please, if I can. And bim, bim, salabim, and mams, right. Sirs, mams, doesn't matter. All of it together, right? Trans, uh -huh. whatever. Oh, God bless you. Then he's got to go up there and say, I am planning to, right? You go up with a proposal. Yeah. And then they might, right? They go, oh, he oh, <laughs> 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 wants to write a book, does he? <laughs> right, what's it going to be on? How many, did you have to go back and forth a little bit to massage this in a direction that they yeah. would finally approve? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And it's like that, you know, like you're basically, you know, you got to pick like three to five people and you're at the mercy of them. Either they, it's like the Roman Is this to write any They're going to give you down or up. For, you well, know? well, so, Not so, like so, an academic book. An academic book. Yeah, yeah. Book. So when they do the dissertation, it's a fancy word for essentially like new research, right? New research. Dissertation really just means new research. So mm -hmm. what happens is after you get through the bungle fuck of regular school, <laughs> then getting jacked off and twerking everyone off in undergrad, <laughs> and then you finally figure out what sex is about in your master's program, right? <laughs> Before you can really become somebody that really knows shit, meaning doctor, PhD, you had to go to the Lord's and you had to bow down and say, please, sir, I have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever done it before. <laughs> yeah. I want to do it. Right. Got it. Got okay. It. So you do all that, right? And at that point, you're at the spear tip of academia, meaning all the textbooks and all that other shit, you look behind the curtain and saw there's not really much behind there. In fact, mm -hmm. most of it's all a bunch of theories and it's probably <sighs> bullshit. Mm -hmm. Old ass, racist, sexist, political bullshit from 1950. So the invited comes in and says, look, I'm going to inject some new blood, a new perspective, whatever. So... They work with you a little bit, right? They fucking, you know, say, well, it's this, it's that. And then he's, you know, maybe goes through a few drafts of the proposal. Then they finally go, you have a blessing. Go with God, right? <laughs> That's and, how it works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he's like set to go, right? He's been approved. But still, it's wide open. And there's people. I don't, how long did it take you to finish your doctorate? Fuck. See? 
I think 10 years, something yeah. like that, 11 years. Hey, Dr. Auntie Sherry McGregor took her 10 years too. Yeah, I mean, so, I think the average is like seven, but still. Yeah, so he's on his own. And what winds up happening, and maybe this happened or didn't happen for you, but once you got the proposal and you started actually doing the research, meaning talking to people, reading the books, da 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 did your idea change? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Like, if you look at my dissertation and the book, it's like a completely different analysis. For right, sure. And also, really? like, after I got my job, I started reading a whole bunch more shit that I had never, that nobody ever showed me in grad school. Right. And that made me think even, you know, completely change the direction I was going with it, for sure. I gotta say, when I read the, 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 the first chapter, for sure, I could see on some level uh, the journey you went on. A little bit because you can kind of see where he 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 name drops checks what you're supposed to do in academia because otherwise these fucking Brit, Brit, brittle motherfuckers will not <laughs> even take you seriously so you gotta be like I did read that I read that I read that I read that right I'm not I'm not on here on my own so he na he name drops all the appropriate people but actual people at the very end and then he even says I can't remember which guy it was but he was like and I you know. You know, everyone sort of, you know, kind of dances around the issue or has a different side. And I'm going to take the, the the capitalism aspect and I'm just going to tweak it a little bit into my thing. So that's where you can start to see he's starting to say, OK, I agree with the general consensus about what the definite is. These eggheads argue about what ca capitalism is for like eons and no one's come to a consensus. So he says, I'm going to take this and then I'm going to adjust it for my purposes here. Right. Showing that he's grabbing hold of the thing and taking it in another direction, which is what this book does and why this book is so useful and helpful. Honestly, and this is no bullshit. And Big Big Mike, this is, this is I'm saying I'm, this I'm, re I'm starting as soon as possible. All I'm saying is, is that if you read this book, mm -hmm. right, it might take you three months to get through it for real. But you will have gained probably about 15 years of serious academic research in three months because of what this guy did. He went through and mapped it all out. And so one of the things that I thought was powerful was he said, you know, what is capitalism? Right. We all fucking say this shit all day. Right. But what the fuck is it? Professor, what the fuck is capitalism from your <laughs> so, from your perspective? Yeah. So like, like you mentioned, there's, you know, a lot of disagreement in the field about all of these things. Like, you know, I mentioned in the book, the three pillars. Right. Yeah. Of our of our civilization. Now, a, a lot of people focus on uh, colonialism and slavery as the defining, you know, kind of like foundations of our society. Right. But colonialism and slavery are as old as sedentary agriculture, right? This, like, are you getting this? So there's nothing new about uh, colonialism uh, or slavery, right? Right. Greeks, ancient Greeks were doing colonialism. Ancient yeah. Romans wait, wait, had well, slavery. define colonialism then. Go exactly. ahead, my friend. People, Why does it have the word colon in place, it? Yeah. <laughs> well, people from people from one place get up and go and settle down in someone else's place you know that's that's colonialism basically. they invade so that's it's, happened it's, throughout history right you know? it's like cultural appropriation like enlarging their their ground their they, land mass yeah exactly okay. it's in they set up shop and they start co-opting all the shit over there and maybe they take advantage of the different rates of exchange money's different or you Labor's could, different, yeah. Or or you could even say, right? And it's usually colonialism is for the profit of the home country or the or the owners of the master class at the home. They're not trying to. That's why they sent people to the Americas. That's why the Brits sent people to the Americas. We're trying to fucking make some coin here. Send these motherfuckers over. It's a right. business endeavor. Right, right. But 
So yeah, so the so but for me, the really the three pillars are capitalism, the race concept, and nationalism right. in, in that order. And so I make this argument that the one comes from the other, that they you know they emerge because of each other. Right. And the first one is capitalism, right? And capitalism is a system that's uh, never existed in human history prior to about 500 years ago. All right, stop right there. Okay, so so Big Lux or Matt or me or whoever, what it, what just generally when someone says capitalism, just on a common sense level, what does it feel like they're talking about? Making money. Okay, take that and explain yeah. how it's not just that or whatever. You know, I mean, money has been made throughout history, right? But yes. how was the money made, right? So through <sighs> through most of history, the way wealthy people, the ruling class in whatever country would make money is people would go out and work and, you know, and they would kind of skim off the top. Right. 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 So the, a certain amount of produce would be needed to to reproduce the population. Right. So there'd be another generation of workers the following. But and whatever was extra that they could take off, they would take that off. If they take too much, then maybe the people rebel, you know. Right. But, you know, there's this kind of throughout history or you could go and conquer new lands and then right. take their wealth and that would increase your wealth. Right. So what capitalism changes is it came out of this thing we call the enclosure movement, right? Right. Um, which we really focus in in the south of England, um, but also, you know, near the same time was also going on in the Netherlands, which is, and actually Marx even in, in Capital, volume one says, you know, mentions in in Italy, there was like, you know, that there was some of this was going on. But you what know, is you it? You know that how he Capital, right? Capital. That's, aca that's yeah. academia. That's <laughs> real bona fide academia. So, um, so basically, what is that? What's the enclosure movement? Is when they enclose the land. So prior to this, most of the human population, wherever you go in the world, wherever people live, they produce the food that they eat. They produce almost everything they consume and use. You know, only like the only things that would come from far away were things that were luxury items, right? So people were born onto land and they would be able to, you know, whether by live farming. Off the land. So yeah, live off the land basically, right? So check this out. So check this out. So, right? I mean, it's 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 really hard. We've this country's done an excellent job of hiding this concept from the American people. Oh, let him finish. Wait, let no, this I'm, guy I'm finish. I'm gonna let okay. him finish, but let me help broaden this out so okay. you can you, we can grab hold of this. But the issue is this, right? When William the Conqueror came to England, before he came there, the king had set up a system that had been there for how long? Like th like a thousand years or whatever it was where the people working the land had common areas, also known as wasteland, technically. And what this was was where people could grow their crops, poor people, peasants, homeless, like you would think like we have out here, they were able to do all of that, and there was common areas set up for that specifically. When he says there's an enclosure movement, there was an intentional design to shut down all those commons. That's why that's why communism is called communism. <clears throat> it's the general wealth or land that belongs to the people. And here in California, a legacy of that concept is the idea that everyone has access to the beach. So nobody who has private property can deny a citizen access to the beach because the ocean is a common 
just like it was in England. Sorry, please. Yeah. I don't mean to, to. But but other than the beach, the whole rest of the fucking world right. has been fenced off, right. basically. And that's exactly. what the enclosure they enclose the land. So the way it's, this starts anywhere in the world, in England, whatever, and spreads through the world is they build fences, and everybody that was living in that area they say, you know, vale verga, sorry, you got to take a hike, you know. Right. And then so part of it is those people lose their livelihood of being able to support themselves off the land. Right. But then what happens to those people? How can they survive? Right. They have two options. They can work for a wage, right. which most of us do, or they can rob and steal. <laughs> which right? they were doing. Which they would do, yeah. What year in England are you thinking? This that, is like the 16th century. Which means 1700s. 1500s. 1500s, right. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, you know, so they create this, this, this population of landless pe peasants. Right. And so what do they, they fence off the land. Um, in order for people to be and this is why differences from previous ways of making money is they're trying to maximize the amount of money that can be made from the, the land they already have. Right. Instead of going out and conquering new land. Right. You live right. in England. It's an island. All the land's already been divided up by the queen. Yep. Right. So people have to, like, take the land that they have and make it produce more. So they lease it out to somebody. And that person says, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, leave me, give me this land. I'll give you 100 bushels of wheat at the end. Maybe they make 200. They get to keep the profit. Right. Who's going to farm the bushels? Well, there's all these landless peasants that just got kicked off the land. I'll pay them a couple of bushels and have them do the actual work. And then, boom, I walk away with all that profit. Right. Right. So right. that's that starts happening. It happens throughout England. It happens throughout Western Europe. It starts happening in the colony. You know, that's essentially what colonies are, is taking the indigenous people off of their land, whether that's in the Americas, in Africa, in Asia, whatever, and closing everything to capitalism, making every common land that people would be able to support themselves into private land, private property. Right. And forcing everybody now, like think of most of the world's population has to work for a wage in order to survive because they how don't... many people could su support themselves like if we if you stop working if money disappeared what would you do how would you eat because they don't have a means to be self-sufficient without having to get a fucking right. bum-ass job exactly right right <clears throat> right so that's that's really the key part of capitalism is that it creates this this uh this enclosure. population in, uh, the enclosure in, in, in creates enclosure. this population of people right us who have no choice but to work to make money. Right. Right. And so now you have this sort of huge mass of people, right, that are landless and going to these urban centers. And this starts to happen <clears throat> right as they start developing this whole factory process, right? Now it's like steam presses and making matches and all this bullshit starts to happen. And the only people, if they could, if you had like your own little acre, and you could raise your family, Big Lux. But a thousand years ago, wherever you popped up on the planet, right? Wherever Go legs ahead. you shot out from, <laughs> that that was where you lived, right? Yeah. Right. You go into the backyard and we're growing this and we yeah. caught some motherfucking... And nobody was saying anything. <clears throat> well, so and now it's... Now it's your born. Now when you pop out of them legs, you're already in the design. Yeah, yeah you know exactly. you're. Yeah, that's right. You got to go to school, preschool five. Yeah, you got to do good in kindergarten. You yep. got to do good and get your grades yep. so you can get a job. All of yes. it is built in. That's right. There was no thought of fuck all this. I'm gonna lay down. I'm gonna grow my vegetables. Right. I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna sleep when I want. Yes. I'm watch the sun. Do whatever. I want. No. That's exactly right. You ain't gonna put your fucking ass down anywhere. Here, so here. now you can see why. Not only because in here, but this goes back. To, let me just say. Go this. ahead. 
This goes back to the big problem that I have with all of it. Go ahead. And that's that things that are inherently ours as a human being. A roof over your head, right. your medical attention needs, right. your food. Right. Right? Yep. And and like you said, you don't just go fucking give it to them. You set it. There's enough resources to set up. We could go anywhere and clean out water, teach them how to fucking grow oranges. 1,000%. You know, all of it. And it's only due to this, the this the pigs in this planet and a lot of what we're talking about have now hogged it. We're not using our planes or ships to go bring fresh fruit, clean water, plumbing, access all over the world. But yet we have access now. We built planes. We have a way to get it. But it's all that, man, like the common shit. So I like what you're saying, man, because you're really peeling it back in a way. Right. Well, you're helping to. To show us, I mean, that's a, it's an awesome new perspective where you didn't even have a choice. You did your parents a, didn't have a choice and your grandparents didn't have well, a choice. Well, so this has echoes because then when you get gentrification, that's setting up. So when people say, I'm from Santa Monica, I was here. I No one liked that house that was right there, right? Mm. This whole system is set up so that rich people can come in and dislodge you from your heritage. That's what this is doing. And this is why the Indians had to be pushed off their land. The Indians, every step of the way, we said, look, all right, fine. New York, you got it. All right, fine. Fuck it. You want the cod? Have the cod. Okay, from here, this line right here, Black Hills. All right, motherfucker? Black Hills over. That's our land. And we don't want what you got. We don't right. want your headache. We don't want your fucking ball lights. We don't want none of that shit, okay? We want to hunt. We want to be human. We want to just do our thing. Self-sufficient. Whatever, whatever right. Yeah. We know how to live off the land. Wasn't good enough. They couldn't have another system like that because the poor people stuck on this side. You, you, you were, like, everything he's talking about is directly comes down to, like, everything that happened in the United States. A thousand percent, to the right? So, and so how does that lead into race? Think, so yeah, so think about it like this. Think about it from, you know, we're thinking about it from the peasant's perspective, from right. the worker's perspective, right? Right. Think about it from, from the fat cat's perspective, right? The people who are making the profit, the ruling class, the oligarchy, mm. whatever you want to call them, right? Yeah. They have a problem. <laughs> there's not very many of them and there's a whole lot, a lot of people of that don't <laughs> have much at stake in this system where we're basically getting peeled like a fucking potato That's so right. what's to keep all of us from taking pitchforks and torches and ar-15s and just fucking running them down right right and just right. pillaging their shit well right? i ask you professor how can we get yeah. all of those so, people to turn to ar-15s on themselves <laughs> <laughs> so that so that's where the divide and conquer comes in right, it, right. what's the vehicle to keep these people from what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients hero bread supports gut health promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Forming like Voltron and coming after us, right? Right. So is to divide them. And so there's many different, you know, boundaries of division within our society and in the world, you know. Yeah. But within the U.S., certainly the most important one is race, right? The race concept divides right. us from one another. Um, and the and like capitalism, the race concept is not something that's existed forever, right? It's it has a very similar trajectory. When you say that, I can almost feel in the room. It's hard for us to understand that race did not ex- exist forever. I think it's so hard for Americans to imagine. Wait, what are you saying? You're saying that in Europe in 1200, they, they didn't see a black guy. Of course, right. he was black. Right? How so, does that work out? There's a, a a famous sociologist who had a good way of putting it, um, saying that you know, ancient and medieval peoples weren't blind; they could see that people looked different from different latitudes and different regions of the world, but it didn't have the same social meaning, right? It didn't it didn't carry with it consequences that shape the outcome of your life the way it That's does true. in our society, right? It didn't have the same function of dividing people it was just well there's different people here and different people there and you know people could mix and and people did mix and you know the human the human species is a migratory species so the idea that any of us is from anywhere on earth we're just basically arbitrarily picking a point in time and saying oh that's my origin but actually your people came from you know, like we've, we're, I mean, we're all from Africa. We're right? all connected. But we're actually all, we're not even one species. We're, we're a combination of at least half a dozen different hominid species right. from different parts of the world. Like Denisovans. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like they're finding species of humans that we don't have a physical specimen of that they're identifying from genetic analysis. Right. They're looking so at all this mitochondria. Not only seeing... are we not discrete races, we're not even a discrete species. 1000%. So why does race seem so important to us? Because we live in a society where race determines so much about our lives and has us all convinced that we're all different from one another. Yeah. And as a result of that, that we have different interests. There's like right? There was like a couple of qualities in your book that you pointed out <clears throat> that what race does is it convinces people of certain qualities that you have inherently, right? Yeah. And I was trying to think about what that was. I mean, on a social level, it limits you or predetermines sort of what track you're going to take, right? I mean, is anyone surprised that in the 21st century, that all of the people that are running the biggest communication and distribution technology companies are all white male. That's not an accident. And the banks and the government. And the banks. Warren <laughs> Buffett, right? I mean, what the fuck? So, and the other things too, though, right? The, these races, we've created an ideology with racism that also goes down to the root level character or, or personalities of people. Um, well, you know, my argument is that so for some for a lot for the majority of the field, people feel that well, race exists in order to advantage white people, mm. right? And it and why does race exist? Because white people are fucked up, right? Mm. And so, from mm. my perspective, that perspective actually kind of functions to divide us, right? Right? Are yes. we supposed to hate? Are all white people rich? Do all white people right. run banks? Do all right. white have all white people oppress me? Do I have white people that are homies? Like, should I hate all white people? You right. know. Who are my real enemies, right? Right. But our real enemies are the people at the top, right? Where most of them are white, 
But there's some, you Clarence know. Clarence Thomas. Yeah, is Clarence Thomas your homeboy? You right. Know, like, is he down with the, <laughs> the, the cause? Yeah, you know. Right. So, you know, and that's the problem with identity politics is it makes us uh, associate ourselves with people on the basis of race or whatever other identity as opposed to what our actual material experience is. So how do right? we get how because I agree with you, man. Yeah, how I, do we get out of that? So, so, so <laughs> I agree with you because I think like and I think. You know, the Black Panthers were were crossing race lines in terms of trying to develop uh, a better community. People say that Martin Luther King was uh, assassinated when he started opening up to poor white workers as well, right? So as soon as someone starts getting pan-race and trying to bring poor people, regardless of their background, together, that's when they become dangerous. So how do we right. today, what's your thought on yeah. how we do well, that? Well, let's talk about that historically, too. You know, that's essentially what, you know, COINTELPRO was. Right. Think of many of the people who were, you know, not just people who were oppressed and run out of the country and stuck with fake cases and put in prison for decades and all that. But look at the people who were killed that were assassinated by these by this counterinsurgency program right. on the streets and in prison. Right. What were they saying about identity politics? Right. Right. Look at. You know, right here in Los Angeles, the president and the vice president of the Black Panthers were assassinated. Alprentis Bunchy Carter and John Huggins. Yep. Bunchy Carter wasn't just the president of the of the Black Panthers. He was also the president of the Slossons, which was the biggest African-American hood in Los Angeles. This is pre-Crip and Blood era. And all these different dudes from different hoods, you know, the Slossons, the Gladiators, the businessmen, you know, the avenues. They all came together around the Black Panther. Right. Around mm -hmm. being Black Panthers. So like during that time, gangbanging like pretty much stopped. Like right. people stopped fighting across gang lines because they were all coming together, forming like Voltron and Bunchy Carter. And then there was this this other group, which many people believe uh, was, you know, basically a, a front group for the FBI right. called the Us Organization. Right. The Panthers would call would clown them and call them the United Slaves. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and they were headed by this dude named Ron Karenga, who's still around. He's actually a professor at Cal State Long Beach. You can take a class with him. Um, oh, shit. Uh, there's no, to his credit, there's no paperwork that proves that he worked, you know, with the government and stuff like that. But there have been many accusations hmm. uh, over the years. And there are people that were members of his organization, including the people who were involved in the Bunchy Carter assassination, which happened at UCLA in Campbell Hall. Um, they've been there. There is evidence that they were actually working for the FBI. Right. Right. So what was this meeting that they had at UCLA? What was the topic of conversation? Right. Yeah. I actually got this from this famous um, uh, geographer, uh, Ruth Wilson Gilmore. She wrote that book, um, uh, Golden Gulag. Right. And I read John that. Huggins was her cousin. Yo, small world. Right. Right. And she told me this, that actually the, the topic of the debate where this shooting happened is the Panthers were saying, look, race, racism is obviously is an issue. But it's because of capitalism and we need to connect the two. And the other faction, the us organization, were saying, no, capitalism is not the issue. Race is the issue. Right. They're what's called cultural nationalists. Right. Right. So there was this friction between them and Bunchy Carter and John Huggins were basically assassinated by these people who were pushing this cultural nationalism. Right. And right? so the FBI is running COINTELPRO, <clears throat> this covert organizations and they're like internal cia cia goes over and does the same shit with all our enemies right fbi is to do that internally and it's interesting because the fbi not only goes after quote unquote 
groups of color that are doing similar things, but they also fan the flames of these Christian white nationalists too. They keep an eye on them enough to rein them in or look like they're cracking down, but they also are pushing them. So it is true what you're saying. All of these cultural nationalists, that is people who you know believe in their whatever, their racial identity is so powerful or whatever, it's kept alive enough to keep it divided, but it's never completely shut down. And what, what it seems like is going on regularly is just a stopping of a real honest conversation about, hey, how is this economic system actually fomenting or supporting or pushing this, right? Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, who knows what the fuck is going on now? Like this COINTELPRO shit never stopped, you know, obviously. Right. Counterinsurgency is the government's job. Right. Right. So, um, but uh, in fact, the only reason we know COINTELPRO happened is because some people, some anti-war activists broke into the federal building and found the FBI office and found all these COINTELPRO files and said, hey, this would be cool. Let's take this shit with us. <laughs> they were there to burn draft cards, you know? Right. And then that shit ended up getting disseminated to the media. It came out. And actually what was in those documents that they stole was the proof that Fred Hampton's assassination was orchestrated by the FBI. Right. And what was Fred Hampton saying about cultural nationalism literally the month before he died? The last speech, the last recorded speech we have of his, which was given, I believe it's in the book, I believe at Northern Illinois University yep. um, in November of 1969. He was assassinated in December of 1969. In that speech, he's just blasting cultural nationalism. He blasts Karenga. He blasts Stokely Carmichael. Right. He's saying, you know, like he said, uh, you know, freedom doesn't come from the sleeve of a dashiki. Those those outfits that yeah, they wear. Yeah, yeah. Freedom comes from the barrel of a gun. Like we right. need to get some Colt forty fives and some, you know, some nine millimeters and this and that. Like so, so, if so, if I change my name from Fred Hampton to Uga Booga, yeah. I'm still gonna be Uga Booga under fascism. Right. The right. only difference is instead of being Fred under fascism, I'm gonna be Uga Booga under fascism. So, Ain't nothing fucking change. Right. So so, so, so it's the fascism that we need to attack. In reading about the Black Panthers, one of the <clears throat> things that uh, Bobby Seale and them, what they were, were really good at doing was organizing the rage of the inner African Americans uh, into an, a military force. And the whole point was, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the civil, civil rights trying to do anti-Jim Crow stuff is not to take away from it. But it reached its apex when they started killing people. Like at a certain point when Malcolm X is assassinated, everybody who tried to do it the, the right way, the nice way, the let's just everybody kumbaya this thing said, fuck that. It's not working. And then they said, you know what? We don't have land, <clears throat> right? We don't have money. But what we do have is a lot of pissed off motherfuckers. And if we can organize a military, right? Then they'll have to yeah. give us what we are asking for, and that's what they—that's what they did. And, and you know, and we need to reach across racial lines right. to work together right. and create like a guerrilla army, basically, right. to oppose the 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 American ruling class. You know who was talking about that? Who? George Jackson. George Jackson, the founder of the Black Guerrilla family. Right. This is read read his books, right? His collections yeah. of writings. This is what he was like envisioning. What 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 would have to happen in order for there to be a revolution? And what happened to George Jackson? They shot him dead in San Quentin prison. That's right. They created is that that's the story There's about still, the gentleman who where they framed up, right? That he had a gun or he was trying yeah, to do something. They're saying that he like yeah. and this is the most racist shit ever, right? They're saying that he smuggled and this is a big ass pistol. It's right. a this Italian nine millimeter pistol. This thing's like 
not concealable, right? They yeah. said that he smuggled it in in his afro. In his afro, that's right. Only f- who's going to believe this shit, right? Right, into <laughs> San Quentin and they killed him. Yeah, so supposedly he smuggled a gun in there and took over the cell block. And right, so the details right. are it's not sure exactly what happened. They did take over the cell block. Right. And then like him and another dude made a run for it. That's right. And they smoked him and the other dude's name is Johnny Spain. They let Spain surrender. And, you know, so basically he died. But there was where was he running to? There's nowhere to escape. I think really or you know, a lot of people think that really what was happening is they were about to kill him and he felt it coming and he flipped it on them and managed to take over control of the of the housing unit and then that's where it went from there. You so know? how do you read the current political situation that we see ourselves right now? Because some of the things you're talking about I can see are openly out and then it seems like the so called middle America is kind of against it. How do you, how are you reading Trump? How are you reading <clears throat> Biden? How are you seeing this political context? Yeah, I mean, Trump is just resurgence of white nationalism. Right. right? It's just another, that's identity politics too. You know, like I say in my book, you know, white supremacy was the first identity politics. Right. The rest of them are just copying off of white supremacy and flipping the categories. Right. You know? So, you know, Trump is, you know, and white people, especially like, think of all the, not just white people of every color. People think of like all of us of this generation. Yeah. In the seventies, deindustrialization started happening. That's right. So think about what your parents, what your grandparents did for a living. Right. Do those jobs even exist anymore? No. Right? Like so we're basically trying to survive when the manufacturing base in this country has been removed first south of the border and now to Asia. That's right. Right? So like that's an issue for for people of color, of course, because they're the you know disproportionately unemployed. Right. But also think about it from the perspective of the white working class who, you know, generation after generation, their future was assured. Well, and isn't it like another, isn't it like another, <clears throat> what you're saying? So it's like a lot of almost, anxiety, you know? Yeah, but it almost seems like what you're talking about, what they've done with our land and the food and the capabilities of us yeah. trying to sustain ourselves. Yeah. If you move it back by them, sending all the jobs elsewhere yeah. now you're even <clears throat> furtherly removed you totally. get what i'm saying yeah. no no exactly. i get it you're saying like there was some middle america aspect where okay i don't own the land but i've got a secure yeah right, job. right now and now that, that's gone, gone. you're 100 uh, yeah. right so that's but, what uh that's what marx calls uh surplus labor population this is also from how do you put that in street v- words volume one of das well, kapital you, yeah das so kapital. <laughs> um so surplus labor population is, you know, the, the most base form of it is the unemployed. Yeah. If you're unemployed, you don't have a stake in the labor market, you know, but it's also people who are underemployed, right. people who are, you know, uh, employed in the black market economy. Like think of think of how many people do you know that actually like are taking food out of the ground, extracting resources from the earth, manufacturing the goods we consume. Like none of us do any of that anymore in this country. Not at all. Most of the jobs in this country are service jobs. Right. right. Or people like side hustle type of shit. Right. So, you know, I think that's one of yeah, how the... many fast food places can you have? Right. right. We're talking about exactly. that. Everything's a fucking Starbucks and a motherfucking El Pollo Loco. And what, right. how does everybody feel that we're all in this situation? Like, goddamn, you know, like where there's no future for us anymore. Right. So it's not it's of course, white people have anxiety about their futures, but everybody does. So right. there's you have this whole population of people in this country who are fucking who see their future slipping down the drain. Right. And people like Trump come 
come in and say, oh, let's make America great again and, you know, all that kind of shit. Promises all that. So it's basically like, uh, you know, let's steer them off and then we'll just steer them against each other. You know what's weird, though? It's like I see that. I see that. But then I also see Biden as like I almost see Trump as a threat for everyone to go back to well let's just kick the can down the road again let's not make any major changes because we got to fight off this devil Mm -hmm. if we fight off that devil and that it's a way of like getting people to not maybe look more towards a bernie sanders or something like that and say wait a minute the whole thing's fucking broken the only way to keep trump from becoming dictator is just to have a democrat be president forever right is right, that a dictatorship too? Like, yo, yeah. it's either one. From either my one, view, it's two one. sides of the same coin. Yeah, you know, yeah. I I don't vote personally because you know I don't negotiate with terrorists. Right. <laughs> like, if if the, the way I see it, whatever the U.S. government's going to do, whoever's in charge is not going to be in my interest, and is probably going to hurt a whole lot of people. Yeah, put so, a whole lot of people in prison and bomb a whole lot of fucking people. Well, but, I ain't signing off on that. So you know, it, so. So so then how I mean listen when how are we going to get our AR15s what are you going to do colonel Come on, are you going to lead the do army? You, do you even own an AR-15? I can't That's say if I step. do. Well, I can tell you this. <laughs> I do own. I got 22 guns at home. There I you do. Go. So you're ready. I'm ready, yeah. but I we Boy need Boy Scouts motto. Be prepared. I mean, fuck they it. didn't know how serious I ain't down I was with it. Oh, I don't go out in the woods with no dudes that like wear shorts. I'm not down with that. But I don't know. he wants me to Bunch wear a handkerchief. Yeah, he always gonna give me a badge. Yeah, I'll fuck that. But no, seriously. So, is there an organization or is there a place that we can look that you know of where we can start organizing or thinking about? So, so think of like how would. You know, imagine if there was a, a, a rebellion yeah. in this country, right? Yeah. Who would who would be the people that would be in the how would the rebellion be organized, right? Probably if you look cookies if, gear. If you look historically at other, you know, revolutions that have occurred, yeah. For example, in the Spanish Revolution. Yeah. There was already uh, uh, unions. Uh, there was an anarchist trade union. There yeah. was a socialist trade union, <laughs> yeah. right? And like the anarchist trade union had over a million members at the time. The CNT, Confederation Nacional Trabajo, and the socialist <laughs> uh, trade union, the UGT, the Union General Trabajo, yeah. they had a, a, almost half a million members. So basically, all those union card-carrying union members just said you know the, the when the when the coup d'etat kicked off they just all went and found a gun and then they all fucking charged the army barracks and surrounded the army barracks and literally stormed the army barracks took out all the army soldiers made them fucking killed whoever wouldn't uh, surrender and took over the city of barcelona and all of <laughs> catalonia and saragossa and aragon you know like literally working people just took up guns ran all the rich people off you know and opened up all the prisons in in, in catalonia they opened up the prisons and they told them listen we're fighting this war against these fascists francisco franco and all this yeah. right you ha- you can go go free go live your life or you could pick up a rifle and come fight these fascists with us. 90% of them said, give me the rifle. Fuck. Right? Now, now here, the union movement in this country is pretty Broken. crushed and, yeah. is, and is co-opted. Right. Because it's a closed shop union model, right? Yeah. I could talk about that in a separate issue. Yeah. But um, so unions maybe aren't a vehicle for this, right? But right. what is in every neighborhood that's already armed and already part of our communities and is already organized? The cops? Gangs. Oh, 
Tell me one neighborhood that doesn't have a fucking gang already organized, that's already armed, that's already willing to like go to jail and doesn't do give we, a fuck. Okay, the, I like that. What so, does it take to like make all those people realize like why the fuck are we killing yeah, each other? How do we do that? And like when are you know like when are poor people gonna stop killing poor people and start killing rich people? Big Lux, we right. What yeah, what's yeah. what what will make people have that epiphany? From your experience, you know, just knowing people or whatever. What do you think would be a way that we could get people who believe in justice and, and understand loyalty, how could we get them to uh, maybe turn the guns on the rich fucks? Well, first off, we've been taught, we've been ongoing discussion about <clears throat> organizing. We have all big thing, you know, two months. People don't know how to organize. People don't know how to organize to get things moving. So what were we shooting for first? Everybody's going to fucking not go to Dodger Stadium, right? Right. 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 Then they'll bring down the price of those hot dogs. <laughs> and start giving and you a Michelada's. gift when you go in there. Yeah, 24 yeah. bucks for a Michelada. Come on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So everybody don't go to a Dodger game, fucking a Dodger game, leave that place empty? Yeah. They'll change their prices. All, one day is all it takes. But listen, <laughs> the other thing I do want to say, Chumon, because yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you as a lot. I've said it numerous times on this show. I don't personally, and I've not done the investigation you have done, nor Chumon, but I don't know about things really changing at the level that we need to even start scratching at in this country. I don't I haven't seen anywhere in history myself where there wasn't blood. Like in the streets. In the streets, bro. Yeah, on yeah, your hands. Like yeah. People have to die. That's kind of how I think almost humans in a lot of ways, or they've grown to become, that they just don't sensibly, there's just a, a percentage of them that they ain't just going to listen. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that's true. They, they, they got to. Every now and then, somebody needs an ass whooping. That's the best way to humble your ass. You know, you need to get fucking chin checked. And I think, like, the world... I don't, I don't know that we're going to change until there is blood on the streets. That just seems to be the only way people get their liberties. Yeah, you know, uh, the problem is like the title of the book, Divide and Conquer. Yeah. We've all been divided. All of these, all of the surplus labor population, all of the people who should be able to support themselves and aren't and are basically trying to deal with the frustration of that. They're all fighting each other, yeah. Crips and Bloods and Southsiders and Norteños and you're from this hood and he's from that hood and, you know, all this, Fucking you know, crews and yeah, all this all politics is what? Is everybody fighting each other for what? For what? For what? What, do uh, I, what does anybody gain from out of that? You know what I mean? Like our lives just continue generation after generation. People go to prison forever. People die. And for what? And what? how does that change our circumstances? It doesn't. Right. It doesn't. But that's the thing is it's not an accident that we're at each other's throats. Right. This all of this, this counterinsurgency project has been used to turn us against each other. Anytime someone tries to intervene in that and create a revolutionary movement, what happens to them? They get they either get killed or they end up in prison for the rest of their lives. So based on that, based on what you're saying, I almost think you're going to need a wholesale change in the education from the beginning. That's I mean, the first step, right? Is to make people realize that they could have freedom. Because like Lux said, like, I don't see it either. Like, do you see, you know, the blood in people's eyes that people are ready to, like, take their freedom back? I nah, don't. Nah, <laughs> hell no, man. Be- because you got all these people that are fucking 
just scared. I think fear is the root of this shit. I think, I think. Oh, I don't, I don't want to lose my job. Well, so, I, I don't want to maybe not get a Frappuccino. Oh, what if the police <laughs> put me in handcuffs? What if I lose my job? But they're scared because they've been conditioned that right. way. Their parents, they, they, they like that's at the end of the day, they're going to be out on the street with nothing is the fear. That's right? the fear. Yeah, right? that's right. That's the fear that that's you're going to be. I'm one step nothing. ahead of nothing right now, and I don't want to lose that position. And also, <laughs> right. and also, you yeah. know what, man? And also, no trust. Because there's no you trust, think like, there's no I, faith, there's no You think nothing. like if I finally speak up and I go marching out there, no one's going to be behind me. One of the things they got in France, right? They've been, fuck, they've been protesting now yeah, for like, what, yeah, two months, three months? Friends, yo. But you know what they do? They got <laughs> a system. Out. People are fucking paying people who are not going to work, food and all this other shit to keep them up. In the United States, we don't have that. Yeah, that's what we you know need. That is what we you need. You know what set off all this shit in France? Two years. They want to change the the retirement age from 62 to 64. And that sent them... I, got, I, got, the I got the plan. I got the plan. That's less than what our retirement age I got was the, I before got the plan right like, now. Go. Here yeah, it is. Here yeah, it is. You ready? Yeah, you guys I'm ready, ready for it? I'm ready. Yeah. The cartels down in Mexico yeah. that are doing all this business, right? Yeah. And they need to align with these motherfuckers. And everybody that's on board with Revolution, we're going to pay you guys. It's going to be like a job. We're going to pay you guys. Well. They yeah. get everybody up to this because the cartels, they're going to win once these guys over start overthrowing states. Right. Once they start turning over, now right. cartels come up in here. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. That's the deal. That's right. how they can do it. Hey, man, you can make $5,000 a month. Come work for us. So think about that, think too. About that. There's actually a lot of uh, good research. There's some really good books about this, too, that talk about, you know, what? how do they deal with the cartels? They go and they clip the head off, right? Yeah. We've go, talked about they this. They take yeah. Chapo or whoever. Yeah. Right. And what, but what's the aftermath of that is all the lieutenants go to war, right? Right. So all the cartels in Mexico used to be organized over, under one... All, they basically all. No, they infiltrated that shit. Yeah, they sure, can't. Bro. They can't allow so that. They, they can't allow that, yeah. right? No, no way. So no. they're constantly. Anytime, like, like the anytime any part, angst. anyone starts to get ahead or anybody starts working together, boom, they jump in there and they break it up. And it just same thing divide and conquer, fragments, and they all go all to right. war with each other, right? So it's not an accident that this is going on here in our cities, in Mexico, everywhere in the world, you find sectarian conflict, whether it's over cartels, gangs, religious differences, well, well, whatever. Well, 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 because all you, over the world, people who are essentially in the same position are fighting and killing each other. But right? you, you bring up a really another interesting point that we didn't get to touch on much in this episode, but maybe when he comes back, we can talk. But the national concept, right? It's a, the, this <clears throat> idea. So you have racism. Oh, yeah. The national aspect is a construct and it's a fake identity that's supposed to hold all these sectarian groups together. But we're reaching the end. I'm getting the high sign. And obviously, no, 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 no. This book, so Divide and Conquer. Mike, I'm texting you. <laughs> Mike, he's texting you. Divide and Conquer, Race, Gangs, Identity, and Conflict by Robert Vida, Dr. Vida. And uh, he's a professor. You. Where are you, Professor, at? Uh, Cal State LA. Cal State LA, right? You want to get your sign? You show up at office hours or whatever. <laughs> this right? is great, man. This discussion was awesome. Right. I think we only chopped off the first half. 
I think you got to come in. Let's sure. talk some more. Yeah, volume two. Volume, volume two. two. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> we'll get you on volume two. I'm going to jump on your book, bro. I'm excited. For sure. I didn't get uh, action at it, but yeah, now I am. You and get it on Amazon. And I, love, I love having discussions. A good friend like of yours hooked up a lot of the photos in there, Estevan Oriol. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like probably half the pictures in there are from him. Esteban Oriol, yeah, of course, the, the greatest photographer of Los Angeles. Of my daughter. Yeah, yeah my oh, son. Hey. Yeah, Godfather right. of my son. Right. Yeah. yeah, he's a good friend of mine, too. Yeah, yeah, so he hooked me up with a bunch of pictures for the book. Appreciate that. The homie Alex Alonso, he has that uh, Street Gangs TV or Street street tv or whatever that is okay okay well, i don't know too much about the podcast world but uh but right. anyways he hooked up well, a bunch jumped of pictures right in today my friend yeah you jumped right into the podcast let me world. know next time round two okay. yeah for we'll sure get you on it listen man awesome awesome man robert thank you for coming down my today, pleasure man. Yeah, it was really good you, to have you down you. great discussion <clears throat> really really intelligent talk today listen uh check them out check out divide and conquer man you got to we'll put it up too we're gonna fucking story this up on our thing you need yep. to go get that book i'm gonna start reading it tonight yes and um check us out mondays and thursdays the hard luck show right right yep and uh yeah that's, that's what it. i got cookies and vibes peep us out but that's what i got what you got i got a ovanda bowen llp we wear braids to court except for today where i'm looking a little bit like dude from journey let the hair out. Uh, anyway, you want to win your fucking case? Sign up with us. We'll help you. Uh, only civil, though. I don't do criminal. I saw you looking at me, Robert, but uh, we, do, we do civil. <laughs> but anyway. Always looking for good lawyers. Yeah, listen. Uh, Rosenberg. Oh, right. Criminal. criminal. Rosenberg, one of the greatest yeah, criminal yeah, attorneys yeah, of yeah. all time. Yeah. Right. That's where Johnny Cochran <clears throat> picked up all his tips was from <clears throat> Rosenberg. All right. Thank you. That's what I got. Salmon. Right. Anything? I got uh, Dragon Bags. <laughs> Dragon Bags. D-R-A-G-G-I-N-B-A-G-Z dot com for all your cornhole bag needs. Okay. Did and, you want to picture... Yeah. Okay. You want to picture book where people can buy it or where they can go um, what it's on amazon it's anywhere that sells books you know barnes and nobles uh you could go to the press website it's temple university press but temple most people university. are uh used to uh, amazon so it's sure. on amazon there. there you go right on any uh lectures you're coming up uh the great professor <sighs> no fortunately we're coming up on summer so as soon as i get my grades turned in i'm bouncing out to puerto rico for a little vacation with nice. the family. All right. <laughs> Puerto, Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah very sure. good. You <laughs> heard it. Puerto Rico. Yeah, send us a photo Puerto. for Puerto Rico. Bro, yeah, right? send us Please. a picture for Puerto Rico. For sure. All right. On the beach. Yeah. We are out of here. Peace from the Hard Luck Show. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.